On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named Robin, and Robin grew up with a controlling abusive mother. It's a story of intergenerational trauma, impossible expectations, put-downs, identity issues, and the normalization of abuse. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick, and with me today, we have Robin. How are you? Hi, uh, thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here, and today we're going to hear Robin's story. But before that, if you want to be a guest on our show, please go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page, and there you can read all of our instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button, and please do send it in the format that we ask for. In today's episode, there's a content warning for this episode as we do discuss suicide threats, suicidal ideation, self-harm, and what we also have on this episode is a self-defense physical reaction, and that is our content warning for today. And today's episode was actually recorded four and a half years ago, so you'll notice that it isn't in the same format. It's just not as refined as we do it today. You know, I've tried to fix up the sound as best as possible. I was also still learning a lot at this point. And this episode is about Robin's mom, Robin's controlling, abusive mom. And even though this episode is on the shorter end, we know we get through a lot of issues that Robin goes through now and how she's dealing with them. And I really can't thank her enough for being our guest back then. And then finally, again today. So now, now I will get out of my way and your way. Robin, the floor is now yours. Right. Okay. So I'll start chronologically. Like, I don't know a lot of details, um, but apparently she also had a very shitty childhood <laughs> because what she told me is that her father beat her mother sometimes. And also her mother was, I don't even know how to say it, I don't know exactly what she had, but it was pretty clear that she also had some kind of personality disorder or, I don't know, she was a very horrible woman. So I can totally imagine that my mother, you know, kind of went through the same thing, possibly. Um, I just don't understand why, you know, going through it herself, she would do the same thing to me. The first few years of my life were a little different in in a way, were a little better. Um, it didn't start off with her being abusive directly. So I sometimes I don't remember that much from my early childhood. But what I do remember is that uh, we got along fine for the most part. Um, it's just that my mother started to... When I was like four or five years old, she took me to all these like child psychologists uh, and various like 
doctors and stuff to get me tested and like IQ tests because she had this idea that I'm like some super intelligent miracle genius child basically um so I did a lot of IQ tests everywhere and then she uh, she pushed for for it to um that I could start school uh, earlier than I was uh, normally supposed to so I started elementary school with like five and later I skipped the third grade um and you know I was I, I feel like I never really had the chance to be just like a normal child because there was always this like oh you're special you know you're different from everyone else you're like in a good sense kind of because she told me that I was like smarter than everyone else and um but it also was very isolating in a way because she very early started to tell me that I will probably not get along with other kids you know I'm different they will not understand me I will not understand them and I was just told very early on that I'm just different from everyone else so then I was in school and I was two two or three years younger than everyone else in school so that was already kind of difficult because I didn't really get any friends just because you know at that age the difference of three years is so big like I was six and everyone else was nine so um, I got sometimes I got bullied directly but most of the time it was just that I was kind of excluded I was always like the one person nobody really just talked with um so I was kind of lonely at school and then at home I think when I was maybe like seven years old the actual abuse started to pick up and it was mostly always about like um chores at home because my mother was very, I think almost like she had OCD maybe or something, but I, I don't really know. But that's, it didn't feel normal. You know, she had a very high focus on everything, had to be clean, had to be organized, but like very extreme expectations about that. And, you know, a, a young child cannot fulfill these expectations. And she always um, made me do like a lot of chores, made me clean the house, made me vacuum the rooms. And I could never do it well enough for her. Um, so she would like, for example, she told me to vacuum like the living room and I did it. And then a few hours later, she would come home from work and check what I had done. And of course, in that time, there was already like dust settling on the floor again. And she was like, oh, there's dust here. So you didn't do it at all. And you're lying to me and do it all again. Basically, that kind of stuff. Um, and it was just a lot of, you know, arguments about the house not being clean enough. She yelled at me for being lazy, being dirty, being, um, you know, she told me I was such a difficult child and that I always have to provoke her. I guess, because she took all of that as a like personal attack against her, almost. And yeah, so it was just constant arguments and screaming um, from that time on, basically. And my father was completely different than her. 
uh, in a way. He was very, you know, he was like a very nice person, very calm person. And he never, he would have never like yelled at me or something, but he also didn't really protect me or defend me, like, because he was so under control of my mother as well. Um, and I guess he felt like powerless towards her. So he was mostly just kind of there. <laughs> you know, he didn't abuse me, he didn't partake in that, but he just didn't really do anything. So yeah, and she, she yelled at him too. So the arguments were between them and then I got involved. Then it was like a huge family argument and yeah, just a lot of that, you know. And as I got a little older, um, like when I started puberty uh, mainly, she started to get very strange in a lot of ways because for example you know I, I, I already had problems making friends because I was so young and then I became a little like socially awkward because I just didn't really have much experience with other people and so whenever I did have a friend uh, and invited them like to my place you know my mother allowed that but then she wouldn't she kind of just ruined it on purpose. Like I had a friend over and my mother would just constantly come into my room, yell at me, make me do some chores, like while my friend was there and just constantly interrupted us, that kind of stuff. So I couldn't really have any friends or at least couldn't have them over. She was very controlling of the way I look. Um, and I think she had some strange like insecurities of her own that she projected on me, uh, especially where like this traditionally feminine kind of stuff was concerned because she she always had short hair and she made me also have short hair um, for a very long time. And she didn't want me to wear girls clothes. So she... When I was in puberty, she made me wear guys' clothing, uh, actually, for a while. Um, and, you know, I wasn't allowed to to uh, control how I look. Like, that was all her. She wanted to control that. And, you know, she'd always call me vain. Like, when I, when I cared about how I looked at all, she, I was vain. And I was just, she would just shame me for that, basically. The worst part of it was when I was like maybe 12 years old, uh, at least that's how I remember it, because I was, you know, going through puberty and um, I guess it's kind of normal that you get a little like moody or depressed uh, during that time. And she she disapproved of pretty much just anything I did at that stage. You know, it was impossible to do anything right for her. Uh, she would insult me a lot. Um, she called me like lazy. That was one of her favorites because um, I think that's like one of the first, the worst things she can imagine in a person that someone is lazy. So that's like a go-to insult. Something she did often was that in public, when other people were around, she was completely like normal to me. For example, when she had like friends over. Um, she treated me normally in front of them and almost like especially nice or she just played this part of being you know very proud of me and supportive but then as soon as the people were gone she would just turn on me and basically say 
oh, you made such a bad impression. They all think you're just embarrassing. They think that you're rude and you look like a hobo. You know, what are people supposed to, to think of you? Uh, I'm ashamed of you, all that bullshit. You know, I don't think anyone ever noticed or had any idea of how she like treated me when we were alone because she was very good at playing normal in public, basically. Um, and then it got so bad, basically, when I was 12 that uh, I started self-harming for a while. Um, I had al always had like on and off depression from a pretty young age um, anyway. And then I, I self-harmed a few times. Um, not super serious, but, you know, she found out. Uh, she saw it and uh, just kind of got angry at me for it. You know, I didn't, she didn't get any help for me or anything. She just kind of yelled at me um, for it. And um, yeah, when I was 14, my, uh, my father actually died in an accident. So it was very, very sudden and... I remember that I didn't even, like my reaction to it was very unnormal in a way because I didn't, I didn't go through these normal grief stages at all. I was just completely terrified because I knew that from now on it's just me and her, you know, and um, I was mostly just afraid for what's about to come because now I, it's just me and my mother. And I, I think I always knew that at least my father's presence was like holding her back a little and that was gone now. So it got really bad after that for a while. Um, she just, she got angry at me for not behaving the way she wanted, I guess, not grieving the way she wanted. Because I remember, for example, um, the, the the very next day after my father died, you know, I, in the evening, I think I, I ate like frozen pizza or something. And my mother got angry at me for eating something because she didn't eat anything. And uh, she thought... You know, the fact that I'm even hungry and I want to eat something means that I don't care that my father died, basically. She wanted me to not think of these, like, everyday things. And so she got angry at me for that. And a bit later, she yelled at me because I was listening to music. And that was also a sign that I wasn't behaving correctly, I guess. And... You know, after the funeral happened, she told me that, um, and I still don't know if this is true or if she just made it up, but she told me that people had approached her after the funeral and told her that um, from my facial expressions uh, and the fact that I didn't cry at the funeral, you know, that it was clear that I had never cared about my father. And um, so... She said, like, she had to be ashamed of me because I didn't, I didn't react the right way. I didn't grieve the right way, I guess. So it got really strange just uh, at that time. And 
basically she expected me and I mean I was 14 um she expected me to help her you know get over it and uh, she wanted me to console her and she also got mad when I didn't she also wanted to console me in a way but I just wanted to be left alone really and she did not accept that um and, you know, it was just a lot of arguing again about all sorts of bullshit. She just picked pretty much any reason to scream at me. Um, during that time, I remember that on two separate occasions, she um, she threatened to kill herself, actually, um, as a way of manipulating me, I guess, in a way like, oh, if you don't do this or if you don't do that, then I'll kill myself. And, uh, you know, years later, she now claims that never happened at all, um, which is something she does a lot with things I clearly remember, but she claims, no, this just classic gaslighting, you know, this never happened at all in her uh, memory. And then a few months, like after my father's death, strangely enough, um, things began to kind of improve a little and our relationship got a little better of course it was still unhealthy abusive and all that but she started to treat me more like an adult almost because I feel like she she stopped treating my, me as her child and more like she wanted me to be like an adult friend of hers now or like she wanted companionship because my father was gone and so she started to be a bit nicer to me like um, just respect me a tiny bit more and um, eventually when I was 17 I started studying and uh, moved into a student dorm for that purpose and so I was finally, you know, out of the house and mostly free of her. And that's when really, you know, I felt like I had any sort of freedom at all for the first time. And from then on, I guess life slowly improved for me. She was still, she tried to still be controlling for a long time. Um, she... She would still try to meddle in like what I was doing. She wanted to know what I was doing. And uh, then she would tell me that I'm doing it wrong, you know, and sometimes shout at me over the phone or something. But I wasn't under this constant control anymore. So I guess that's like a, a rough chronological overview for now. After all of that, uh, as far as the inner critic in your head, are you critical of yourself now? Like it's all of what she's done, uh, been a voice been put into your head that you have a, a tough time with, or is or do you not have that at all? Um, to some extent, yes. Um, I guess it's still kind of there sometimes. You know, as a general trend, I do tend to be too critical of myself, basically. And also, you know, kind of this anxious side that I always expect the worst from things, but it's all already improved a lot 
uh, because I remember when I was still like in this whole situation, still lived with my mother, I had basically, you know, I kind of just accepted everything she said about me 100%. And I had accepted that, you know, I'm this terrible person, basically, who will never do anything right. And it was just kind of fact for me, you know, and even to consider that maybe she was wrong. And maybe this is just kind of her opinion of me that took a long time to even get that thought because you, I never knew anything else, you know. So I think, you know, to some extent, I always knew that my mother wasn't normal, I guess. I guess it already kind of started before I moved out um, with like, you know, strangely enough, after my father died, or at least a few months after that, because I had switched to a new school at that time. And I finally managed to like become accepted there and find some like social uh, be part of the social group and gets you know it, it made me a little more gave me a little more self-esteem and it was a very slow process but I started to see that like not everyone thinks so negatively about me because that's also something my mother told me that everyone basically judges me and thinks negatively of me and now I was starting to get these experiences that said, no, maybe some people are just, you know, going to be nice to you. Uh, so it was a very slow, slow process that started there. And then just the more experience I got when I was more on my own, that just, yeah, slowly improved. So when you got your first really good group of friends and you kind of maybe started telling them what your life was like, uh, do they understand what what happened to you? Do they do they give you the empathy you need? And how is your life, uh, I guess, socially right now? Well, the thing is, I never really told anyone this whole stuff with my mother, like except then later a therapist. But for the longest time, I didn't tell anyone anything about it. And, you know, when, when the topic came up, I, the most I always said was like, oh, we have a difficult relationship or it's like, it's complicated. So no one ever knew what was happening there. But, um, you know, I'm 26 now and it's been almost 10 years that I've, since I've moved out and was more or less like on my own feet. And you know, I'm generally introverted and I'm not the most talkative person. Like about two years ago, I had this um, period where I started getting like random anxiety issues and sometimes even like full, full on panic attacks. Um, and I had like trouble basically leaving the house uh, for a while. Um, which was also one of the things that caused me to finally, you know, get therapy. Um, so it's not like, it's not so much me being worried about like what are people going to think of me or whatever. It's just that sometimes I get this random like fear uh, around strangers or this is probably sounds worse than it is really because for the most time I can totally keep it under control. With everyone who's listening, it's so understandable that you have all of these types of things going on because, I mean, listen to your story. 
at every turn you were abused as a very young child. Uh, the fact that you are here right now uh, working on all of those things and been able to, you know, get yourself here pretty much by yourself. I mean, you didn't have anyone to lean on. Um, you didn't really have friends. You didn't have an adult you could trust. Uh, you know, the one person in your life that you could trust is the one, you know, the most important person who's, who's doing this to you. Uh, your father passed away. Everything was against you and you're still here. And I, I one question, is she, yeah. is she in your life? Oh, uh, well, at the moment, not because I'm kind of trying this no contact thing. It's been like almost five months now, I guess. Yeah, four, four and a half like months. Um, yeah, I I don't really know how that's going to work out uh, long term. But basically in March, early March, we had another like huge argument and um, just she was visiting me because we now live quite far apart from each other, which was pretty intentional on my part, you know. Um, but she was visiting me and I don't even know why I still let her like into my apartment because every time that happens, it's just a disaster <laughs> because she starts this thing again of, you know, yelling at me for every kind of bullshit and she, she would go through my things or just look behind like stuff, see dust on the floor, you know, get mad about that. It's just totally crazy and we had this huge argument eventually and you know I already um, told you that a little but uh, eventually I kind of hit her in the face which you know is shitty but um, she just insulted me she said something so mean that I just yeah I just boiled over I guess and I hit her and you know she left after that and I just knew that something has to change. Like it, it's, it can't go on like this. I can't go on like this. And I basically just wrote her an email that I don't want any contact uh, for now, which of course she didn't uh, respect. And she wrote me several messages, uh, sent me postcards and, you know, was already trying to like, act like nothing had happened, but I just couldn't do it. And then eventually like a week ago now, I, I sent her another like last email and said, um, okay, you know, I don't want any contact at least until next year, March which is kind of a weird random time limit, but, um, you know, I just don't, it, it was still kind of open-ended in a way, which was why she was still messaging me all the time. And I, I didn't really know like, what am I going to do with that? And now I just said, okay, nothing until at least March. So now I feel like I can finally relax a little, not think about her, just not care about what she's doing. And so far it feels good, but I also have trouble imagining really staying no contact forever because that's a long time probably. Um, and it's so, you know, I'm just not used to that, but I'll see. Like I have a few months now to 
think about what I want. Do I want to get in, back in contact with her or not? And I think right now I'm at a at a place where I'm just, you know, I've kind of given up, uh, but in a good way because for a long time, you know, you always have this hope. And we did have good times sometimes, and you always cling to this hope like, oh, you know, if I just... I don't know, eventually she'll she'll see reason and we can like have a good relationship or or sometimes there were a few months where we just seem to get along, but then the next big argument happens again. And right now I'm at a spot where I'm just like, okay, you know, this is never going to work. This is just how she is. She does not understand my point at all. You know, when we've talked about this, she is always right and everyone else is wrong for her. So I just try to stop worrying about her, stop thinking about her, just basically accept uh, this kind of new life where she just isn't around really, which is, you know, pretty new and kind of weird. But also, yeah, it's relaxing because I could never like talk to her without constantly having to expect the next time where she just criticizes me or tells me I'm doing it all wrong or yells at me and that's exhausting. You've made it through uh, to this point. What, I guess, what is next for you? Um, yeah, what is next for me? Well, I... Uh, I kind of feel like um, this whole time I've spent with my my mother was um, kind of holding me back in a lot of things. You know, I was very late. I was just very late with many things that people, other people do much earlier, mostly with like social experiences or because I, I wasn't allowed to do things that like teenagers would do, like party with friends or whatever all that just I started that when I was like 21 or something so um, I'm kind of behind on a lot of things still and I'm still kind of uh, you know I feel like I have a lot of things to do that I couldn't do while I was in that home Mm -hmm. basically Um, and then you know I still have some issues that um, working with my therapist that are possibly like long-term um, effects of this whole childhood. Uh, yeah, and then it's just a lot of finding out what I want to do with the rest of my life, I guess, because um, I know that some people you've done these episodes with have also mentioned that that it's hard to kind of build a sense of person personal identity well the thing in my case was i thought i know who i am but then i often like get surprised uh, by myself basically um because for the longest time i had this you know i thought okay i'm a very i'm a, an introverted person you know i'm kind of shy and quiet and i don't like 
loud things or whatever. And this was my identity, basically. But then I found out that maybe, you know, that's not actually true. And there are things I like that I would have never thought that I like, uh, in a way. So it's like I, I do have some idea of what I like, but it still kind of switches around a lot and changes. And I suddenly get surprised by, like, changes in myself if that makes any sense yeah i think i'm i'm dealing with it okay by now for the most part i just have like some remaining uh things where i'm not even sure if this is just my personality now or if it's gonna like go away <laughs> in a sense but um i think i'm at a, at a point where i've mostly just finally accepted kind of that all of this happened and it wasn't okay but you know now I need to move on because for a long time I was very emotionally stuck in that whole mess basically still um, and had this hope of you know maybe we'll eventually get along and while you are in that kind of mindset, you just can't really heal. You can't move on. Um, and I think that's finally over now. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. I, I don't, I'm not sure what's going what's gonna to happen or where I'm headed, but I'll just see what happens, basically. And before we end, is there, if you have one thing to say to people who are raised in the same environment that you were, what, what do you have to say to them? You know, mainly I think it's just important to, to deal with these issues somehow, because I think everyone who has gone through this kind of childhood or, you know, some kind of narcissistic abuse um will have some kind of issues basically and it's important to kind of face that head on in a way like with therapy i can i can recommend therapy a lot because um it did help me a huge amount um especially with this whole childhood kind of thing it was very difficult at first to really face all these issues because we usually you know we get very good at denial or just like ignoring all this abuse or just like pretending it wasn't that bad but it was that bad so yeah as long as you don't ignore it or deny it and you you work on it somehow you'll probably uh get there eventually i think well robin uh i want to thank you you're very strong and brave uh for telling your story i think for people who are listening uh, who are going through the same thing if a younger listener is uh, listening to this story um that you'll be uh you know they'll learn a lot from what you had to say and i just want to thank you for taking part of uh taking part of the show Oh, yeah, it was pretty fun, actually. <laughs> I think it's good that things like this exist and you're doing this. So, yeah. 
Well, thank you, Robin, once again for being our guest. And if you want to be a guest like Robin was today, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. And there you can read all of our instructions. And either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button. And please do send it in the format that we ask for. And if you are someone that needs support, please go to our website if you need support and join our support group at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page is the button that says support group. When you click on that button, it takes you to our very own safe social network. And inside, you'll see that we have Zoom meetings every Wednesday nights, Thursday afternoons, and Saturday nights. We have forum boards for you to post on. You can get the validation that you need, and you can make a lot of good friends on there, too. So if you need support, join our support group today. And that is it for today's episode. So for myself and Robin, we hope you have a good night.